Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. everyone, I'm Tracy Koga and welcome to Hue at Home. So what are you doing for Valentine's this year? Hey, restaurants, gyms and personal services, they're all open, but at 25%. And if you're in a restaurant, you have to be with the same person that you're living with. And don't forget to wear a mask. So maybe staying at home? Well, stick around because we're going to show you some new kinds of love. I'll be meeting up with recording artist J.P. Sanga, and he'll talk about his passion and his deep love for his family and music. But first, may I suggest a crisp, light, white Sauvignon Blanc, courtesy of this little baby, The Cellar Door. I'm going to sit down with editor-in-chief and owner of Poise Publications, Lisa Muirhead, and she'll talk more about her little dream job and the love for this magazine. Well, we are going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, wine. But it is also going to be about this magazine, The Cellar Door. So right now, via Zoom, I have the lovely Lisa Muirhead from Poise Publications. Okay, I got that one out, Lisa, but (laughs) that sounded so, so official. But you know what? Yeah. So this is issue number 37, and I believe issue number 38 is going to be released pretty soon, correct? Yeah, it's coming out the week before Valentine's Day. Oh, well, how fitting. Okay, so we're gonna go to a shot of our beautiful set, um, decorated with the Cellar Door magazine that comes to our home. Um, and it is, you know, it, you know what, I have to honestly say, Lisa, it is like my guide to the rest of the world. Um, It is definitely about the wine, but for me, I love all the articles of learning about the winemakers, learning about the land where this bottle of wine comes from. And I don't know, like, let's go back to the beginning um, about your vision and passion to do a magazine like this in Winnipeg. Yeah, well, it started, I mean, I was already working in publishing, but it was academic publishing and it was getting a little dry. And my business partner at the time was also working in academic research and she had a background in marketing. So uh, we, yeah, we just were drinking wine and had this idea <laughs> for a wine magazine that had like a local, because every wine magazine, they're great, but you can't get any of the products locally. And the, the Manitoba market's really insular for wine. So mm-hmm. we thought it would be really cool to have a magazine where you read it and you can actually go buy the product. <laughs> yeah. And so, so yes. Yeah. So I'm going to let you then share the story on your wonderful relationship with a local wine merchant, um, formerly known as Bandel and Jones, but now is known as Jones and Company. And it is the effervescent Tina Jones, too, that you have this great relationship. So tell us now and how the whole, I guess, love story with the cellar door and Jones and Company began. 
Yeah, well, we we first thought that we would pitch it to all the private wine stores, but mm -hmm. as we kind of did our market research, at first we thought they were all linked. You don't really understand how liquor in the city works until you really see behind, mm -hmm. peek behind the curtains, you know? So when we kind of did a little research, we realized it would be easier to work with one wine store at a time. And at the time, even Vandal and Jones was, it was right before it moved to, to St. Mary's. It was still its little store on Metalwood. And they just had a little, like a little Microsoft publisher newsletter that they would send out. And, but they'd already started like wine education programming. Mm -hmm. um, and so they had this really great background and we thought it might be a good, a good partner because we could bring them into developing the content because while my background is publishing, my, my, I certainly wasn't like a subject expert in wine. So we needed people that knew what they were talking about. So we we did the market research and we pitched it to Tina and she was on board. So we had planned, we're like, well, if it doesn't work with this, then we'll, you know, go to the next person, go to the next person. But yeah, she was on board right away. And she was just, we had this whole list of questions like, well, if Tina asks this, we'll say this. And, you know, to show all of our great research and we finished our presentation and she said, yeah, I love it. What's the next step? And we were just like, oh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, we definitely are prepared for that question, too. <laughs> so then, yeah, it took about the eight months for the first issue to come out. And that was just doing a bunch of legwork for marketing. So we sell the ads. That's the mm -hmm. revenue stream of the magazine. And Tina and the team at Jones & Company, they do all the distribution. Yes. So that's the great. Behind, yeah. The idea behind it was a custom magazine, but one that um, we could show people who was actually reading it. We wanted to partner with a company that would attract really great advertisers. And Tina's been so established in the business community for a long time. It was just really great to part with, partner with someone who's established to say like, you know, this isn't a fly-by-night project. It's going to be around for a while. And it has been. I, I know, it has. So, I mean, let's look at, okay, we're going to give you a sneak peek, folks, of the next issue. So, lo and behold, who do you have on the cover? <laughs> but Tina Jones. General Tina Jones, yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, uh, and kudos and congratulations to her and all of the awards and accolades that she's received. But I guess I, the article now about Tina, um, do, do you want to try and show a different side of Tina too as well? I mean, we all know Tina from being in the wine store, but... Um, her personality is far bigger than that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Tina's always been a part of the magazine. She always has a message at the beginning, and mm -hmm. she's obviously on the editorial board. So she's, you know, she's a part of developing those ideas from the beginning for every issue. Mm -hmm. We'll have a meeting with her and the top, the, the management team at Bamblin, or at Jones & Company. And, uh, <laughs> I know, so I know. I have a hard time. I have a hard time. Okay. I mean, let's just, they should give us a year, right, uh, Lisa, until it's ingrained, Jones and company. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, she, she is uh, part of the advisory the whole way through and obviously mm -hmm. she signs off in the end, but I mean, she does so much in the community, you know, and she's, she's on the, the board of the HSC foundation. Mm -hmm. She's got other businesses too. the rink. She's a part, a partner in green carrot. So, I mean, she's, 
definitely she's this amazing person at Jones and company has built this amazing company, but I mean, the stuff behind it is also pretty incredible as well. So she was recognized with the order of Manitoba and we just wanted to recognize that kind of pull her out from behind the scenes and recognize that in the issue. And she's usually like, like it took a little convincing to get her on the cover. So it was nice that we were able to do that and really showcase her. And it's kind of a weird issue because um, we were, because it's the pandemic, it's the pandemic <laughs> so we couldn't, we didn't have a photographer. Our photographer wasn't allowed to work. And oh. so, and we also really wanted to support the restaurant. So yeah, it, it was, it was a good issue for, to, to kind of have the opportunity to put her on the cover. Oh, it was so great to see her. And you know, if you even look at your content too, I mean, there's always food. So you, like you said, you know, acknowledging the restaurants and oh my goodness. I mean, if we can kind of sidetrack on that too. Yeah. Jones and Company is, you know, that's their part of their livelihood is serving these restaurants. So what were some of the, I guess, challenges, uh, Lisa, when doing this this particular issue? Well, the, one of the difficulties is our production schedule is three months long. So when mm-hmm. we start, we started talking about this issue was October. It was before the big shutdown on November mm-hmm. 12th, right? So we even recognized at that time, we're like, well, let's do this issue, but you know, it's gonna, we're gonna have to make a lot of changes last minute, we're gonna have to be really adaptable and flexible, like every business has to be right now, you know, like, just kind of be willing to change on a dime. So the restaurants were really great, they provided us with photography that we couldn't get ourselves. And um, we worked with the Manitoba Restaurant Association to get some statistics and, and just talk to people in the in the industry to, like, figure out how we can help what are some practical things we can do so that's mm-hmm. kind of the cornerstone of this issue and we also wanted to I mean it's we have a pretty international focus because of the nature of wine yes but yes. you know Jones and Company is a local business I'm a local business we're, mm. we're all supported it's such an ecosystem you know we, we really need each other to keep going so we really wanted to acknowledge the restaurants and, and what they're going through right now and figure out how we could help you know however little we can help yeah, and I and I just want to add too that you know I I helped out a little bit in this issue too. You did. <laughs> you, this, you did. You have you a little your, section called topics. A beautiful cabin. <laughs> <laughs> That's how desperate they were, folks. You know they. Yep. <laughs> called me and Kevin because hey it's the pandemic and wow Jones and Company is one of our like that's like the grocery store these days <laughs> I shouldn't be saying that maybe out loud but I think there's a lot of people but I mean and that's another thing um, let's get into the winemakers but you talked about the education and since they opened in 1999 um, we know Gary Hewitt we know Sylvia Jansen um, I love Jill and Sarah Lynn and um, and all the staff there have been so, so wonderful, but also so knowledgeable. And that is such a different thing than we've been in wine stores in other countries, in other cities, and it's not anything like Jones and Company. So yeah, maybe I, you can comment on that. Yeah, I mean, as much as I can, because yes. my business is separate from those, but just from what I've seen, you know, like I think the difference there is that the wine education is really integral to the whole structure of the business, you mm-hmm. know, whereas other like employees from other wine stores will come to Jones and company and take their wine courses. They don't have the infrastructure there. They need to find the courses elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Whereas because Jones and company has built that in, if you start working at Jones and company and 
you know, you, you have retail experience, but maybe not as much wine, those opportunities for education are right there and they really encourage you to take them and, and make them really accessible to their staff. So, you know, it was really amazing. Like we, we kind of took a bit of a, it was a bit of a gamble saying you guys will produce the content and we'll do the publishing because we didn't know if they could write, you know, like, and you know, Gary's got an, has an academic background. So does Sylvia. And some of them are just, I mean, they're really great storytellers Mm because they go to these places, they, they travel, they really invest in sending their people to see these wineries, to meet these winemakers. So even if they're not great writers, almost all of them are great storytellers and they're so passionate about it that even if they they're not super strong at writing I can work with them you know mm-hmm. my my background is editing so I can work with them and we can bring those stories out so that education really supports the mandate of the magazine but the magazine is also educating the community you know it's yes. allowing everybody who likes wine but they don't really know why they like wine or <laughs> how to put it into words we're trying to like give them that vocabulary well, I mean, it, yeah, and you always end up learning something, you know, from the simple, why does it taste like this? Or it, wine yeah. is bad if it smells like this. And yeah. uh, all, all those things that we've learned through the years. Um, yeah. But for you personally, though, Lisa, um, I guess this is a passion project that has, you know, by all means, grown by leaps and bounds. Did you ever dream that, you know, you would be the publisher of this little baby? I mean, no, it was such a, it was a fun idea that we talked about one night, you know, and I do have to credit my former business partner, Megan Kosminski, you know, like a couple days later when we were talking, she was like, okay, we're going to need a business plan. I was like, oh, are we really going to do this? You know, and she's like, yeah, we're going to do this. But I love publishing, Mm -hmm. you know, I love the storytelling and I really love working with Jones and company. My brother's the manager there and Mm -hmm. being able to work with him, like, we're, we're very close and I love, love, love being able to work with him on a fun project like this, you know, so that's really cool to have that element as well. Oh, wow. Um, and so maybe just explain for the others out there where they can get the cellar door and it is free, correct? It is free. Yeah. So it's distributed um, through uh, direct mail. So mm-hmm. if you spend a certain amount of money at Vandal and Jones, you'll, you'll just get it mailed to your house. If you just go in casually every now and again, they always have the issues just on the stand and you can just take them. So they're free at the store at all times. And they've usually got, they've got the current issue, but they'll have probably five or six back issues just because a lot of the, a lot of the material isn't really super timely, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's talking about a wine region and then talking about, so it's not stuff that it ages very well. Like you can keep the magazine <laughs> around and, and read it and it won't be it won't be stuck in a time capsule, you know? Yeah, and it, you know what? It never goes moldy, you know, yeah. well, unless you get it wet with wine. But, uh, I know, it yeah. will crash your hard drive. Yeah, you know, uh, what you, you know what? Uh, I think, Lisa, this is something that I think uh, Winnipegers should be proud of. Um, I wanted to do this interview to learn a little bit more about the magazine and how it started. And uh, I just think that, you know, it should be something that is we share with everybody, you know. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 It's really fun to do. And we're, you know, we're really proud of the fact that we're still around after 13 years. It's it's pretty awesome. Uh, well, 13 more. And hopefully yeah. we can get out of this there pandemic. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, and actually maybe travel to some of these areas. And this too, folks, I mean, is a great way to even plan your vacation because we will travel. 
we will. will. We just don't know when. But this is an actual great travel guide to base your next trip. So I think that's what I'll do with the next issue. I think. (laughs) (laughs) So it's coming out uh, around Valentine's Day. Go to Jones and Company and pick Mm -hmm. up your copy of The Cellar Door. Thank you so much, Lisa, for spending this time with us. Thank you so much, Tracy. I really appreciate it. from lovely Waterloo, Ontario. I am very happy to have and welcome JP Sunga to Hewitt Home. Hi, JP. Hi there. How's it going? <laughs> uh, well, uh, well, you know, we're, you know, kind of, you know, just relaxing in all of this code red for the last three months, but, you know, hey. <laughs> I know. We, we're all there, right? <laughs> yes, we are all there. But you know what? We really want to get to know you and, of course, your music. Congratulations on uh, In My Bones, your single. Uh, let's, yes. Yeah, we've got a premiere of a video shortly to come up on Hewitt Home. But, um, and also, you're nominated for uh, Canadian Independent Music Awards, too, for the video. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's the Canadian Independent Music Video Awards. Um, I released two music videos um, last year, um, and they were both up for Best Pop Music Videos. So... Um, yeah, that's uh, that was that was pretty exciting to to hear. Um, there's a lot of really great videos up there, so um, it's it's really an honor to be acknowledged. Um, so uh, yeah, re- regardless of where that ends up, um, I'm just so happy uh, to 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 receive that um, acknowledgement. Oh, crazy! And so, even how did you even manage to get videos done? last year <laughs> yeah so the first one i actually released uh, it was probably about um a year ago um this month um and so that was pre-covid yes. or anything um and then the second video is actually um a stop motion animation type cool. video so it actually didn't require any sort of casting or, or production crew or anything um and that uh i, I worked with an artist actually for out uh, in Russia, um, and uh, we we had sort of uh, directed and put that together, um, and it came together really nicely. But that was again very convenient because it, it, all of that can happen online. Um, but uh, yeah, so those were those two videos. Um, so um, the, the you mentioned uh, the video for In My Bones. That one truly was produced during uh, <laughs> the pandemic. And um, and that was actually it, it was quite a feat to to have completed that. 
um, around all the challenges and restrictions and rules uh, that were in place. Uh, but our our cast was uh, our casting crew were very small, and we were very um, conscious to follow all of the um, the rules mm-hmm. and regulations um, for uh, you know uh, the pandemic. Um, so yeah, so we were um, um, sanitizing, we were keeping distance, um, and um, and actually, when you see the video, you'll see that um, they're really uh, like mo- there's three characters, and mm-hmm. each one of them really spend most of the time kind of just on their own and not really surrounded by a lot of people. <laughs> so, um, but I mean that 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 actually was the intent from um, the get go. So it wasn't something that we had to change because of COVID, right. um, but it did fit nicely and because we obviously couldn't be around a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and of course the theme too. So getting into your music, uh, in my bones based on, on true emotions that I think we've all been feeling self doubt. Um, so, you know, mental health is so, so important right now and, and music and everything like that, that's been put on hold. And, but now, slowly being released and we're, we're getting a little taste of it for you jp i guess did creating this song and, and creating music really help you through all of this pandemic yeah definitely so um i i, I truly do believe that music heals um in so many ways uh, music for me is the um almost the like it's in my soul it's it's the center of everything that kind of drives me um obviously i have a lot of other um, important things in my life like my family Mm -hmm. um but uh that music is is my foundation and so i I always do turn to that um whenever things get um really stressful um but uh yeah and i'm grateful to to have that in my life um as sort of an outlet um but uh, yeah, um, mental health issues are, are definitely uh, very key uh, and something that I've, um, I've come to really learn um, as I'm you know, growing older, um, the importance <laughs> of, uh, of keeping good mental um, wellness. And um, in fact, the, there are a number of um, songs from my album that deal with things around mental wellness. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, for In My Bones, um, there definitely is a bit of that element as well um, about uh, a lot of the negative things that go through your head that kind of prevent you and um, act as obstacles mm-hmm. um, in your life uh, from actually achieving the things that you know you can do. Um, and uh, I, I know this from personal experience. Um, as a performer, I often do get uh, to the stage and while I'm performing, I hear these voices and it's very real. And it's, um, and yeah, some like, I, I, I can't say that I fully um, have found a solution to, to really drive those away, um, but uh, I, am, I am getting better. Um, and um, uh, yeah, day by day, just, you know, gaining a bit more of that confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think um, with, within my bones, it was almost symbolic of the um, the, the whole album project um, because uh, to get to this point, um, I've been doing music for a, a very long mm-hmm. time, uh, yet this is actually going to be my first full-length album. Um, and the reason is because I've had 
so many excuses. I've always said, you know, oh, now is not the right time. Um, I'm about to get married or we're going to have kids. Um, <laughs> I'm starting my career. So there's always something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't until I was approaching uh, a big milestone birthday, and that would be 40, um, that Ooh. I said, you know what? It's not like if it's, if it's not going to be now, it's going to be never because I'm always going to find something. Um, but because music was so important, I thought if anything were to happen to me, that would be one of the biggest um, sort of regrets that I would have. Um, and I didn't like that feeling and also not being able to sort of leave a legacy piece for my kids um, to to really know me as an artist. Um, and so that was sort of the, the driving force there um, to, to get things started. Um, but music was like, again, it's, it's always been there. Uh, I, I know I can do it. Um, and so In My Bones is almost like the anthem for, for my album. It represents me being able to burst through those obstacles, through all that self-doubt, and just kind of take my stand and be like, I'm going to do this. I'm ready right now. Um, and yeah, and so that's that's in my bones. Uh, and do you think, you know, that you mentioned that you're married and have a family, and I'm sure they're so excited and support you, that yeah, this has are. definitely helped you in your personal journey, maybe? Uh, it de- yes, uh, it's definitely brought a lot of perspective. Um, my writing now is quite different than uh, what it was. Uh, the the album is um, is actually I almost look at it like each song is a love letter to my kids, um, and there's there's messages in each mm-hmm. one of them that they may not understand now because they're they're very young, but um, <laughs> later on uh, I'm sure they will look back at it and actually be able to extract um, some of the things that I'm putting in there for them. Uh, yeah, so um, so having a family now has definitely um, given me that new perspective. And what about getting back on stage performing? I know you've. I guess it's been a little bit easier for you this past year because there has been no live performing, <laughs> and you haven't had to tour. But um, there will come a day, or maybe not. Maybe this is JP's way of of getting your music out. Which I think now the world has changed so much, and we've all become so much more accepting, especially of artists during this time. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I definitely uh, do look forward to the day of, um, of getting back uh, on stage. I think there's, there's definitely one element of um, being in front of a live crowd mm-hmm. that I miss, and that's sort of the interaction of um, w- when you have something that you've created and you, you put it out there and you get to really... Um, feel the response uh, from everyone around. Um, I I love that. Uh, And um, that's one thing that you just don't quite get when you're just performing in front of a camera. Um, And uh, yeah, you feed off a lot of energy as well from from an audience. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, I I think um, with that said, um, I have done some performances virtually uh, and that's been okay. Um, Mm -hmm. But like you said, if that's if this is the way it's gonna be from now on, then um, I'll make do. Um, <laughs> I it is it is hard um, like uh, to to actually do live gigs, especially when you're trying to um, chase after three young ones. <laughs> um, and uh, and and yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it's okay. I, I'm okay either way. 
Um, but uh, I do miss the live stage. Yes, so the future now. So you, we've got the full-length album out to come out, and you've mm-hmm. got to premiere In My Bones video. I, you've done pretty well. You've got to be pretty proud of yourself, JP. I am, I am. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. So I'll let you then do a little introduction to your latest video, In My Bones, and, you know, take it away. JP Sunga, get his music, people. <laughs> Thanks so much. So this is uh, my newest music video uh, for In My Bones, and uh, I'm so happy and so proud to share this piece with you. Enjoy.
Welcome back to Hugh at Home. Well, our Hugh virtual chat celebrated their 50th episode, and we tackled a real doozy, biases. Business IT expert Sheila Harris is our guest, and she gives her own personal story on her own biases and how she recognized them, and also offers some suggestions to help us in a workplace that is homebound. So I uh, am Indigenous, and I work in tech, and I have for 20 years worked in IT, And, um, you know, I myself have been sort of uh, biased against in any number of scenarios. Um, But where I really kind of worry about is is what my biases are, because as far as I'm concerned, that's really the only part that I have control over. So, you know, um, a lot of my journey has been about recognizing my biases and and making sure that my decisions are not based on them. Uh, As far as the changes that we've had with working remotely, one of the things that every organization has struggled with is, maintaining that social aspect, right? Because when you're at work, you know, you're in the lunchroom, you're heating up your lunch, you know, you start chatting with the people around you kind of thing and the whole water cooler conversation and everything. So you have a lot more opportunities just to, you know, naturally interact with people. So uh, in the pandemic with remote working, you have to make a lot more of an effort to be social. You have to specifically go out of your way, you know, um, to, you know, call people up and just say, Hey, how's it going? You know, how's your day? You know, um, And then even simple stuff like, you know, how was your weekend? If you ask people, how was your weekend now? It's like, it's exactly the same as every other day, you know, (laughs) what's a weekend, you know? So, so yeah, there's been a lot of like reduction of sort of the natural opportunities that we have to interact with people. So you have to make a lot of effort. And, you know, I've seen a lot of organizations that have made really good strides in doing that, that really go out of their way to make sure that there's this social aspect. I've seen organizations that have like, you know, Friday meetings and everyone, you know, grabs a drink or whatever and gets on Zoom at like, you know, 4.30 on a Friday and, and chats about stuff. And, you know, um, so so as long as the organization is committed to making that effort, you can still be, you know, inclusive and, and have people there. Um, but I, I do think that it makes people that are, say, new to the organization or maybe not as outgoing or as social, I, I think it makes it difficult for them. You can see the entire Hue virtual chat on our website at ilikehue.com. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our guests on today's show and leave you with this question. Do you have a bias? And what would it take for you to become unbiased? We want to know. So send us an email to hello at ilikehue.com or you can message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehue. But for now, stay safe and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Hue at Home. What I'm after is like a song I feel it in my bones, yeah I feel it in my bones Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ilikehugh.com Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. 
Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.